are listening to episode 24 of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast. I am your host, Sean Brown, and on today's episode is one of the most requested guests of all time, and that's for good reason, because we have on Danny Diamond. Danny Diamond is one of the most world-renowned portrait photographers, and he's really known for his editing style and creating a a flair and just a look to his images that is not reproduced by any other photographer, and so many people absolutely have fallen in love with the style, and it really has elevated him to the top in the portrait industry. Danny got into portraits because he loved the blur, and his curiosity pushed him to find out how he could create that, and really delved into the world of photography, to and created his own path and his own style, and I think that's one of the reasons that he's so unique and, and so sought after to learn his technique because it's unlike anybody else's. In today's episode, we're going to talk about having a business mindset. Danny actually started out as a business major when he was in school, and I think that this has carried him into photography and really established him as somebody who has been successful because of his business acumen. We're also going to talk about the importance of hobbies, learning to grow with photography, and also how to set yourself apart as a photographer in an industry that seems to become more saturated day by day. Cannot wait to have you guys join us for this. And once again, thank you for tuning in to Senior Style Guide Real Talk episode 24 with Danny Diamond. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast. I am your host, and if you're watching on the YouTube, you already recognize this guy who I'm sitting with. It's Danny Diamond of Danny Diamond Photography. You guys know his amazing work. You've probably seen him writing articles for f-stoppers and and all that stuff Um, but danny is known for his unique style uh really a natural light approach for the most part of just creating these amazing portraits and, and connecting with his subjects unlike any other photographer out there so i'm super excited to sit down with him danny is on the east coast out of waterbury connecticut so you guys probably see him in brooklyn and, and new york shooting all those amazing fashion shoots that you guys wish you could shoot for for um optical wear companies and and fashion style companies. Danny will go all into that, but I just wanted to give him a quick introduction before we bust into this this podcast and and conversation with him. So welcome to to Real Talk. Thanks for sitting down with us. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And yes, I'm a guy, not a girl. Yeah. Most people uh, will. Instagram uh, profile picture and my name. (laughs) So you probably get that a lot where people are like, Danny, I didn't realize you were a dude. Yeah, I, I play it to my advantage. Yeah, I would too if I were in your position. <laughs> so, um, for those people living under a rock who don't know you, um, give us that little breakdown of, of who you are, how you got started, and just kind of what you shoot genre-wise, photography-wise, all that. Okay, so first of all, I don't think I'm nearly as popular as you make me sound, but uh, I'll pay you after this session. <laughs> that, you know, um, I'm a, I'm a, As Sean said, I'm a... I'm a fashion and portrait photographer based out of New York City. I started about uh, eight, ten years ago when I was in business school, and I I'd never wanted photography to be a full time job, but it slowly turned into that. Just um, one thing led to the next, and fashion is where I wanted to see myself. So I I pushed myself in that area as much as I was able to. Um, 
at first I was just doing it for fun and I wasn't even shooting portraits of people. I was actually afraid of photographing people just because I was afraid <laughs> of um, just like helping people pose, connecting with them. I was pretty shy, but um, I pushed myself to learn how to connect with people. And once I learned how to do that, I, it, it turned from something that I was afraid of into something that I, I absolutely love and I look forward to. And uh, I was lucky enough to turn into a full-time job. And it was mainly, I think, because I approached photography as a business and not so much of an art or talent or something like that, you know? I, every decision I've made is, is really business-based. Absolutely. And you actually got your degree in, in business, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. 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 So I, I have a degree in business management. I only got a bachelor's in it because I, I got uh, too busy with photography and I, I didn't, I never went to, um, to get my master's, but, uh, business is something I always loved. I always had a passion for it. Yeah. And, and I think you have a really unique story getting started. So how did you actually wind up picking up your, your first camera? I think there's a story about you wanted to make the background go out of focus or something like that. Yep, that's right. That's exactly right. And I still do that to this day. I'll never get bored of that. I'm a F1.4, 1.8 kind of guy, you know? Um, I, I love blurring out backgrounds just because uh, I, it, it enables me to shoot pretty much anywhere because I just blur out the background. So even if it's a distracting background, I could just melt it away. And I just thought that that was so cool that, um, like, growing up, I, I never saw that. Every time I used a point-and-shoot or a cell phone, you take a picture and everything's in focus and it's nothing special. And suddenly when, when these DSL, I was introduced to these DSLRs, I'm like, wow, you could actually focus on something and make everything blurred out. That's so cool. So uh, I, that was the first lens that I got was a 51.8. And, and since then, I've, I've been blurring backgrounds. That's awesome. And most people recognize you for your artistic editing style. So how did, how did that come about or how did you get diving into Photoshop? Because I think a lot of photographers almost take post-processing. They don't necessarily, they want to get that, that out of the camera image perfectly without any editing, but you're really one of the individuals who kind of plays around with it and makes it an artistic process throughout the start to finish. So how did you grow to love the editing or what got you started with wanting to even play around with that? Um, so I'll give you a little history on this, but before I, I do, I just want to point out that I think that editing is, is something everyone would enjoy if they, um, if they really were on like uh, experience level when it comes to using Photoshop. It's, it's one of those things where, um, the only reason why you wouldn't enjoy doing it is if you find it very overwhelming. But once you master it it's something that everyone will enjoy so that so that that's just one thing i i want to share with people like yeah. all the time you come across these people who are like hating on photoshop and there you could use photoshop in a very natural way and and walk away with natural it, it's all in your hands it's not it's not photoshop is not like oh the second you put an image in photoshop suddenly it's fake and it's no longer a picture it's now digital art or whatever people yeah. call it it's not. It, it's whatever you make it be. So it's all in the user's hand. Now, how I got into editing and, um, is actually pretty interesting. I, I got into editing um, before I got into photography at all. I, I found um, 
I enjoyed cracking programs back in the day when I was uh, in high school. And some, and some kid came over to me and said, uh, hey, um, can you help me get Photoshop on my computer? And as a joke, I said, yeah, I could figure out how to get it. On condition, you, sh you show me how to use it. So he said, okay, I don't know how to use it, but we'll figure it out together. <laughs> so um, I got him Photoshop, and don't worry, uh, we, we ended up paying for Photoshop eventually. But um, It caught um, up with you in the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, so I, I learned how to just fool around in Photoshop and it was like compositing stuff at first and I wasn't good at it at all. I probably don't even have anything to look back at um, from that time, but I, I learned how to use Photoshop and I, I watched tons of YouTube videos and I thought it was so cool that you could take a picture that's not so great and, and this was, I'm talking 10 years ago, like a, I thought like you could take an image that's not so good and make it amazing and I thought like just like by photoshopping the eyes and playing with the skin and stuff like that, you could just take something and that wasn't amazing and now you could make it amazing and that's what fascinated me at first so that's what I was doing and with time, I, I mastered each step up until um, photography became a full-time job, and I had to master figuring out how to make the most efficient workflow with the most advanced uh, methods. So that's where my, um, my uh, toning kicked in. That's when I started building a name for my, for my editing because I was getting a signature result, and it was a professional result in an insanely quick amount of time, which is 15 minutes per edit. Um, I don't know anyone who does full-fledged edits in 15 minutes in Photoshop. I don't know anyone. And this is, and so that's how I was able to build my name in, uh, in the editing world. And I think editing is what helped me build my name before um, photography did. I would take pictures just to edit them. So I was known to be the guy who would shoot to edit. And people made uh, T-shirts that say "I shoot to edit," which is pretty funny. But um, that, that's something that um, that I think uh, is one of the main reasons why uh, I have my sing signature look, the editing. Totally. And you just got that from just playing around and tinkering, didn't you? Yeah, just um, searched specific things. So I searched specifically how to brighten eyes, how to sharpen eyes, how to save images, how to do dodging and burning. And I watched 20 videos on each method and I just took the best, quickest method and uh, I applied it to my workflow. That's super interesting because I think a lot of photographers, they, they look at, um, and I always say this, it's, I look at it as synthesizing something from every single person that you are drawn to in one way, whether that be an aspect of how they're running their business or, or shooting images. I think you did the exact same thing, just kind of self-taught versus, you know, taking one photographer, putting them on a pedestal and then saying, how do I do everything exactly like this photographer? Instead, you picked what worked for you and built it into your own style in that way, which I think is super interesting. Yeah, well, I, I didn't really, when I started like seven, eight years ago, I didn't really have, um, we, we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have our idols who were making tutorials like you have now. Um, I had Scott Kelby's books, that's what I had. I had a couple Photoshop books in Barnes & Noble, barely anyone had any real tutorials on YouTube. Um, so that, I, I was forced to just come up with my own workflow. I didn't have anyone that I worshiped that I was able to go purchase a tutorial from. People now are so lucky that they're able to do that. I wasn't able to do that, so I learned each aspect of retouching from a different source. Do you think there's a benefit to, to not having all those outside influences constantly bombarding you? I think so. I think that, I think at this point, 
the market is so saturated with photographers and styles that it's very hard to come up with a unique signature look at this point. It's very hard. I mean, anything you do, someone has probably already done it. Um, when I started, it wasn't like that. Again, social media wasn't around, so you didn't have all these photographers um, easily accessible um, right in front of your face on your phone. So I think, I think I was very lucky in that aspect that I started when I did because I was able to come up with my own style fairly easily um, based on the circumstances. Absolutely. Um, looking back, what's, what's one time that you struggled in your business or maybe even your photography journey as a whole where you're, you're, you're maybe you're filled with self-doubt or um, you're just, you're pushing, but things aren't given. Was there a time that you struggled and kind of what did you do to overcome that? Absolutely. Today, yesterday, and the day before. <laughs> Don't we You're all? Always struggling. You're always struggling. Photography is one of those things that um, you are your own boss. You make your own hours, but you also are hustling every single day. It's not like today I could be lazy, tomorrow I could be lazy. This is no nine-to-five job. You're always, you always have to be looking for new clients, making sure clients are happy. So it's always a struggle, 24-7, and, and that's that's one of the downsides of our business, but um, you make the best of it. So there are, I, since I go according to the fashion seasons, like this month, I barely have any jobs. Yeah. And I knew that for the past, that I knew that this month of March and February are not going to be busy months. I mean, March and April are not busy months. February happens to be very busy. Um, but you, you know that when you're a fashion photographer, you're going according to the season. And when you know that, you plan accordingly. So... That's why I do my, all my different hobbies. Like I started planting um, my garden for the summer. I, I did a lot of woodworking this month um, just because I know that I'm going to be free. And also I, I saved money from the months that I am busy. Like that, um, you, you balance things out. So just because the month of February and July, I'm making a solid amount of money, it doesn't mean that I could just go blow that on uh, yeah. And like just gear and stuff. Yeah, like I can't that. go buy a Hasselblad just because you you know you shot a, a gig for ten grand or whatever. Yeah, you could never buy that camera. <laughs> yeah, never do. I don't I don't know why you would ever buy a Hasselblad, and they could come after me with a bat for saying this, but a Nikon D850 has just as much resolution and and dynamic range. I mean, if you're not if you're not able to create your billboards and magazine ads with a with a D850, a Hasselblad's not going to do it for you. You're just you're just paying for the name, and uh, it's. It's, it's overkill. Hasselblad, don't, don't sue us for this interview. It's okay. So. I'm, I'm, I'm a real guy. I'm a straight shooter. If you give it to me for free, I'll shoot with it. I um, love I'm it. 40 grand, 50 grand for a camera. <laughs> yeah. Well, and um, you mentioned, you mentioned in, those, in those off months, you're, you're working on hobbies, uh, woodworking, planting. Um, and if anybody was following Danny, I guess it was a couple years ago now, did the whole kitchen reno. Um, how do you pick up hobbies or, or why do you pick up hobbies? Kind of what's your, how does it free you having something other than photography that you can use as an outlet and kind of step into? Well, I, I've always had hobbies since I was a child. Um, and as I grow older, I understand how important these hobbies are because no matter what kind of job you have, whether your job keeps you busy or not, your mind always needs something to just, um, to create your body every a human needs to create that's that's what makes them feel satisfied and happy and 
by having hobbies like woodworking and gardening, this is the most physical a hobby could get. You're actually creating something and, and it makes you feel satisfied. It makes you happy. And that's what gives you confidence. And that's what just keeps you happy in life. So um, the mo as, as I go through life and, and experiences, um, everyone goes through hard times. And when you have something that keeps your mind um, occupied, that's what that's what'll uh, pull you out of any rut that you might be in, and this is especially true for photographers. We all go through our times where we're not totally satisfied with the work we're creating, and so you do need these things that are not photography related that will keep you um, just you know happy. I love it. Um, what's what's one of your favorite projects that you've worked on, whether that be woodworking or planting the garden, reno, all that stuff. What's one of your favorite projects you've done non-photography related? Um, so it keeps changing based on what I'm doing because I'm always doing my next favorite thing. Um, the latest thing that I made was a table and chairs for my kids. Um, I have twins. I made them two chairs on a table out of walnut. And that was like a one-month project that I invested in. And I hope that they hand it down to their kids someday. And it's just the most amazing thing to see them eating three meals a day at, at a table that I built from scratch. Um, before that, I created my portfolio completely on my own. Um, I did all the printing myself. I did um, the wood cover. I did the leather binding. I did the leather case all with my hands by myself. So um, that's pretty amazing. I was able to connect photography with my other hobbies and create something. But there's always a... You have YouTube and Instagram. <laughs> just, uh, you, you just hit them up and you just search carpentry, uh, yeah. anything, any furniture, and you watch a guy build something and the next day you're at Home Depot buying tools, you know? Yeah. Well, one of the things that um, I'm like obsessed with right now is is coffee. And I think you were the one of the first photographers to, I saw like just a string of posts about your coffee maker and how you were yeah. ditching Starbucks to make espresso. How's that going? How's your barista life? Um, so it happens to be since then, I, I, at the time when you saw that string of posts, I was, um, I was very into grinding my own beans and making espresso based drinks. And I don't even do it because I need coffee. I do it because I enjoy the process. Yeah. But since then I started roasting my own beans for about uh, three quarters of a year. Now I buy uh, a sack of beans that is a 50 pound bag and I split it with my friends and, um, we're still in the middle of our first 50 pound bag, but we're basically at the end. But I started roasting my own beans in a cast iron pan. It's pretty awesome. To be That's to super that. cool. Yeah, it's awesome. It's yeah. Because awesome. most people, I think, um, you know, they, they get so inundated by photography that they forget to kind of explore those outside passions. And, and I think you're one of the people that really is kind of not tried to fight it you just kind of go with it and it's part of the process so how do you feel like that creativity from woodworking or understanding the process of figuring out how to roast your own coffee beans how do you think that that enhances you as an artist and a photographer to answer that i'll ask a question people ask me how do you know when you went too far with your edit that's a question i always get and my answer is the only way to know is leave the computer, go do something, come back to the computer. And I think that defines what I do to my photography. Every time I leave my desk, my workstation, every time I, my mind leaves that photography uh, mindset and I go do something, I come back with a fresh mind. So 
And when I, when I say leave and go do something, I'm not talking go from your desk to your bed and watch uh, Netflix. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. That's not, that's not going to refresh your mind. That's going to make you more into a zombie. Um, you need to actually go and do things. And, and that's what keeps your mind fresh when it comes to photography. That's awesome. Um, let's talk, you mentioned that you actually have, you built your own portfolio book. And when I'm talking portfolio, this is like, if you guys haven't seen it, I'm sure it's on like one of your Instagram story highlights. I'm talking like a leather bound book. Danny said he printed it all himself. Um, a lot of photographers, you know, we live in a digital age. I am one of the photographers that I do in-person sales for, for the portrait genre, uh, which is basically, you know, you go meet up with the clients and see their images. And one of the big things is having those physical print products that you can, you can show them. And, and I think that kind of that art of tangible photography has, has kind of gone to the wayside in the, in the digital age. So, um, what inspired you to make sure that you have a physical portfolio that you can bring to clients and that they can actually hold in their hands and have that physical connection with? I was at a photography show, um, in the city a couple years ago and Canon printed one of my pictures and I saw it. I was like, Holy cow, this is my picture. Wow. This is amazing. And, and since then I've made up my mind that I'm going to build myself a portfolio just because the wow factor of a printed portfolio is so much more than an iPad that people just swipe on. Um, you could message 10 people on Instagram and ask them, Hey, can we shoot? And let's say one person will reply out of those 10 people. Yes, let's shoot. If you take your portfolio to 10 people on the street, you'll book 20 people. That's how, how much more impressive a portfolio is than your Instagram. When every time I'm, I'm traveling and I have my portfolio in my hand and anyone who sees it, people who are already familiar with my work and who already followed me for years on social media, when they see that portfolio, and these are images they've seen over the past five years, when they see it in person, it's like you, you get an expression out of them that you've never seen before. It's the most amazing thing to see uh, a portfolio sitting across a person's lap and, and the pictures are in their face. It's just, you can take a bad picture, print it, and it looks amazing. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about that with, you mentioned traveling and, and people that already follow your work. Um, a few years back, you did the, the photographer's project where it was to try and photograph as many photographer headshots as you can. Um, looking back on that experience, what was one of your favorite parts about being able to connect with, um, people and, and put other people in front of the camera that, you know, we're usually behind the camera and we don't get it out in front a lot. Would you find, what was like the most fulfilling part about that whole project for you? Uh, the most fulfilling part was probably watching people go from level zero comfortable to level 10 comfortable and, um, understanding the science and art behind making people feel that way. Um, and that was the purpose of the project that I did. I mean, I guess another purpose of the project was just to build my name in, out there. But um, what it turned out to be is a lot more powerful than just the few followers that I got from it. Um, it it's being able to open people up and just make them vulnerable to you and, and to your camera. And it's something that uh, money can't buy, you know learning how to how to speak with people and to make them feel comfortable is something that it's amazing it's it's extremely powerful if you think about it being able to make someone feel totally relaxed and comfortable in front of you and knowing the art and science behind doing that it's the most amazing thing and 
to just share um, one of the couple tips that I have that I've learned from this project is people like talking about uh, what they're doing about themselves, about their hobbies and interests. The same way you just asked me about my woodworking and I went on about it and my portfolio and I was talking about it because I, I'm passionate about this subject. Um, so when you, when you ask people the right questions and you make the conversations about them and you listen to them, they open up to you. And so people, if you think about it, every time you're having a conversation with someone like I am with you right now, I keep thinking about the next thing that I want to talk about, right? Because that's natural to the human. I can't wait. Like right now you're listening to me talk, but you can't wait to ask me the next question, right? That's the way humans are. They love their chance to talk. So if you understand that and you want to make someone feel comfortable, then you work off of that. Knowing that they want to talk, you just have to ask them the right questions and listen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so kind of going off of that, is, is that kind of something that you apply to working with clients and connecting with them on that level as well? Not with clients because clients is very different. They're coming to you for a service. Once I, once I'm working with them, then yes, automatically by nature, I've learned to listen to people and to ask them questions, but I'm not trying to play mind games with clients. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to do that with people in front of my camera. You know, with my clients, I'm playing the business game. So everything, everything that comes out of my mouth is whatever it takes to book them. So let's differentiate that then, because um, I think you're in an interesting situation where you are more on the fashion commercial side for the most part, where, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you have, you know, two entities roughly. You have the, the client that's the business, and then you also have the models. Um, versus a lot of photographers in the portrait or wedding world, you know, our, our client is, is also the person who's making that financial decision. Right. So, um, so you're, when you're booking, I think you have two different mindsets. You have the mindset to connect with the client and you have the mindset to connect with the business. Um, how do you balance kind of that personal connection with the business, even though you are making you know, it's a financial decision, but you also, I think, have to have that personal connection with business as well. Well, to begin with, you can't really have a personal relationship with a client until you really, like, book them. You can't just start sure. making small talk on the phone when they call you about a photo shoot. So my first thing is just what do you need and what do I have to offer? So I have a set of questions I ask them. What's your time frame? How many pieces? What's, what location? And I ask them all these questions. And then I respond with what I could offer them. I also give them a range of how much the photo shoot's going to cost them. I don't just blurt out numbers. And I base it on however they responded to my questions. And then, when, and then once I have them hooked or booked for the photo shoot, then I could start having more relaxed talk with them and, and just um, build more of that personal relationship. But the first thing is just getting them booked. And the way to do that is, it's not really small talk unless they're repeat clients and that's sure, totally you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's been your biggest aha or light bulb moment lately? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> um, the biggest, um, something that I've always kind of had on the back burner, but, Lately, it's becoming more and more real, real to me um, that our lives depend on Instagram and Facebook, and that sucks. 
Like if Instagram went down, I'd be screwed. I'd be selling uh, tomatoes and peppers <laughs> for a living and doing woodworking because without Instagram and Facebook, honestly, um, our entire industry is shot. Um, there aren't that many of us who are shooting people because people want to just print pictures of themselves and hang it. Most of us are making money off people because they're posting pictures on social media or they're just selling products. So Instagram is, is something we all depend on. And the more I think about it, the more it sucks, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's probably like the last thing that has crossed my mind. So if Instagram went down, you think that just the whole photography genre as a whole would go down or do you think people would find ways to adapt and change and make the most of it if there's another platform that comes out then sure we we could all jump onto that platform but i mean influencers who are making money because they have a following on social media they're done man i mean every day people's instagrams are getting shut down for no reason it happened to me like two three years ago and i was lucky enough to have my account um, set up again. But every day, because of the article that I wrote about it, every day I get messages from people. I had a few hundred thousand followers. I lost them. I'm in panic mode. What am I supposed to do? You know, and, and there's nothing to do. You can't just like call Instagram support. I, I wrote an article and it went viral and that's how I was able to get um, attention on my account. But it's, it's pretty scary if you think about it. What was kind of like the biggest fear behind having your account just go away um that i no longer have a job <laughs> straight up i mean i i have a family i have a wife i have two kids you can't um you just go from having a job to not having a job you know you would have to just go figure out i would like that one or two weeks that i didn't have my account i was obviously i'll have clients coming back to me but but I won't have as many new clients and, and new jobs coming in if I don't have an account, you know, it's, and it's not the kind of thing that you could just build up in 10 minutes. Totally. Um, you've been teaching a lot of workshops and you've done tutorials in the past. When was that moment that you knew that you wanted to do education and what's the best part about being able to educate others for yourself? Um, well, every time I, I, I teach, I learn just as much as I teach, which is one of the biggest factors of my workshops. But it happens to be I don't do them often at all. I do have a tutorial which is um, super popular and it's been out for years, but my actual workshops, I only do like two or three of them a year. I try to limit them because I don't want to be known as an educator. I want to be known more as a fashion photographer who is more than happy to help others um, in the industry. But um, for me, the the workshops is is, is just meeting people, traveling, and just being able to learn. Yeah. And when did you know that you wanted to kind of teach others or what was the kind of the impetus of wanting to stand in front of people and be like, here's how I edit. Here's my philosophy about photography. Um, I, when, I, when I started, there was no one to really ask questions to. Um, so I told myself if I ever got the opportunity to share the things that I learned, I will. So as soon as I saw that I was gaining popularity because of my editing, I did an editing workshop in New York City, and um, it was really popular. So I decided to just travel and do them as well. And I, I guess that that's how it started. I just, since people wanted it, I was more than happy to share. I love it. Um, let's talk a little bit about 
motivation. Um, we live in a creative world where a lot of people it's, you, you know, burnout is very real. So, um, what keeps you inspired? What keeps you motivated? Um, knowing that there's people waiting to see the next image I take is probably the biggest motivation. Um, so, I mean, I look forward to posting my images and to just showing them off and, and knowing that there are people who want to see it, that pushes me to want to create more and better each time. Um, I would say that that's the biggest factor and inspiration for me um, is just being able to do something that's different and better. Even though like I have a signature style, I, I still, there's no two images that are the same. So for me, it's just about creating the next best thing. Um, the places I go for inspiration, woodworking, I'm serious. <laughs> Don't think about it. The more you think about it, the, the less of a chance that you'll come up with something. The, I mean, like every time you're thinking of, of what could I do that's unique? What could I do that's different? What could I do that's going to be creative? You never come up with anything, you know? But whenever you're not looking for it, that's when you find it. So if I'm just scrolling on social media and I come across something that triggers an idea in my mind, that's what I go with, you know? Um, I'll take a screenshot of a pose. I'll take a screenshot of color theory, um, of location, like model, whatever it is. And, and that's, I'll just go with that. I keep things super simple. Like my, my photo shoots are not complicated. It's like portraits and just plain, plain portraits. That's all. <laughs> so for me, I don't have to look for any crazy ideas. You know, I'm not uh, Von Wong. I don't need to, uh, uh, I mean, that guy's freaking amazing. Every one of his photo shoots are the craziest ideas. It's just amazing. And I, I'm not like that. I think you take a little bit more of a simplistic approach to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, what kind of going off crazy ideas, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you on a photo shoot or like the craziest story where you're just like, is this real life right now? Um... Well, I've shared this story a lot of times in interviews, so I'm not going to share this one. It's about the time that I kicked out of a location on, uh, <laughs> when I had the client and uh, 10 kids with their parents on a photo shoot. But um, a, a different crazy story, let's think. Um, how about I change it a little bit because I can't come up with any good stories. But this does remind me of how to shoot in uh, locations without asking permission. Is that cool with you? Let's go for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So I, I went to restoration hardware like six months ago and uh, it's a extremely big furniture store. Beautiful, beautiful. My, my exact colors, background, exactly what I look for. And it's not the kind of place that you can really ask permission to shoot in because they'll be like, Oh, you have to ask this person who has to ask the marketing team. And I, I'm just walking with a model down the street. I just want to take a couple quick shots and leave. So I start shooting there and um, I'll do that if, there, if it's a busy place and I think they won't notice me. But they did notice me and they kicked me out, okay? So yesterday I go back to this restoration hardware store and um, this time I'm like, all right, I learned my lesson. This time I'm in a model, no one else gets to come in and I do not take my camera bag. I take the just my camera, I put it in like a little like, whatever, like it was like a Trader Joe's bag or something, one of those cloth <laughs> bags. And I'm just holding it. It doesn't look like I'm a photographer at all. And um, I walk in and, and I just tell the model, let's discuss furniture. We walk around, we're discussing. The second no one's looking, I pull out the camera, take three shots, throw it back in the bag, continue walking. And I did that throughout the whole store for like 25 minutes. And 
and I didn't get kicked out. It was the best feeling in the world. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think you're one of the people where it's uh, ask for forgiveness, not permission. No, I, I do ask permission. If, if, if I know I'm going to get permission, yeah. I'll ask. But I know that there's no way that Restoration Hardware is going to give you permission to shoot in their store. It's just not going to happen. It's not like a mom and pop coffee shop, you yep. know? A coffee shop, I'll go and I'll ask because I know that they're going to say yes. So, yeah, basically that's what it is. Yeah. Awesome. Um, how do you set your brand apart from other artists or other competitors in your sphere? Um Keeping clients happy so they don't look elsewhere is very important. Um, for me, it's not about having a lot of clients. It's about just having a couple quality clients that come back to me every season. Give me, give me the peace of mind. Um, there, there isn't much I could do in regards to my talent or skill. Um, I don't think that photographers are getting booked based on their photography or skill because there's much better photographers than me and they could, they will probably be willing to charge less than me as well. So I don't think that it's a pricing and, and skill type of deal. Not anymore because there's so many photographers out there. I think it's more about just um, making the right business decisions. So it's not, it's not about what I'm posting on Instagram and, and that kind of stuff. It's more about um, um, creative ways to come across new clients, um, being able to sell yourself to them without really selling yourself. It's, it's very hard to sell yourself. It's a lot easier if you're standing with someone who sells you to a client. So I use that method a lot. Um, I'll never approach a client directly and be like, hey, can I do a fashion shoot for you? That never, ever worked, ever. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You need to find a connection and be like, hey, I want to shoot for them. You think you can make it happen? And, and you, do, you, you have to just go around in circles that way. So, yeah, that's, that's a, that's, you, you got to play these business mind games 24-7 um, to just stay ahead of the game and just continue making money. In my field, that's how it is. If you're a portrait photographer, then no, you know, it, you're, you're in a community, the community knows you, um, they're booking you based on what you provide and, and that kind of deal. But fashion is totally different than any other industry. Yeah. Um, as we kind of wrap up, you have three kind of piece of pieces of advice that you, um, can give to, to people who are either in business or, starting out or that are struggling that you've learned along the way what are those three pieces of advice that you want to kind of instill in those other photographers uh number one would be don't do photography as a full-time job um try to uh do it on the side do it part-time find another job that's a lot more stable um that would probably be my number one tip to anyone that's really important um just because you never know if you're going to make it or not. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. If you're doing photography because you love it, then, then it's, let's say, let's say you're not, you're not, who, there's no guarantee that you're going to make money just because you love it. If you're approaching photography as a business purely, then I would say, yeah, sure, start photography because your mind is in the right place to make money. So if you're doing it because you love it, then go find a job that's going to pay you well, then do photography on the side and continue doing what you love. Because if you're going into photography, um, just do, do, like hoping that you're going to make it, uh, it's not easy, not easy at all. Uh, tip number two would be um, worry a lot more about 
what you're capturing versus how you're capturing it. Um, every single photography blog, every single post that a photographer does on, uh, on social media is filled with the comments of how to do this, how to do that, um, uh, what kind of setting to use, where some tricks, lighting tricks, this, that. They're, they're worrying about the wrong things. The clients don't care what gear you're using. They don't care about your lighting methods. They don't care about your, which lens you bought and it's the latest lens. They don't care about that. They care about what you're capturing. If there were more photographers um, that were worried about the content they're creating instead of how they're creating the content, then the level of skill and content would be 10 times higher um, than, it, than it is now, which it's amazing now, but there's so many photographers out there that, that just, they think, just stick a pretty model in front of the camera and just worry about your gear and suddenly, boom, magic happens. Nah, not really. <laughs> you know, that's, how, that, that's not how it works. If you want to create stuff that the world is going to remember you for in 100 years from now, you can't just take bland poses and expressions and create anything powerful from that. Um, that would be tip number two. Tip number three... Um, Tip number three would be uh, saving money. A um, lot of people um, are are they make a, a thousand bucks and they manage to spend that thousand dollars three times over. You know, like I, I had I had this friend back in the day. He makes a thousand bucks on the job, and I see him over the next two three weeks. He's buying he's buying a lot more than a thousand dollars worth of stuff for photography. I'm like dude, you made a thousand bucks and you spent the same thing three times. Like you can't do that. You got to save more than you're spending, you know? Um, so it's very easy to get caught up in the, in the gear world. Um, and I shouldn't be one to talk because of all, all the gear that I post on, on my uh, Instagram, but these companies send it to me and I just share my, um, my views and opinions on them. There are a lot of times that companies uh, offer to send me stuff and I turn them away because I don't want to post it just to post, even though they're sending me free stuff. Um, so I, there are like three, four brands that I love working with because they create the most quality items. Like Wacom makes the best tablets. Um, Peak Design makes the best camera bags. Uh, I mean, um, pal Palette Gear, the buttons, they're the best ones on the market. So these, these, are, these are items that I truly believe in. And I'm not saying don't spend money buying gear but buy it once and buy it right. It'll last you for a long time. Um, yeah, so just making the right financial choices goes a long way. I love it. Well, I know uh, Wacom has a, a place out in Portland, so if you're out here, we have yeah. a restoration hardware. We'll see if you get kicked out here or not. <laughs> awesome. Danny, thank you so much. Where can people connect with you on uh, social media? And then we've got one, uh, one question to wrap up the segment. Okay. Uh, you could find me in my backyard working on my garden. You can find me in my basement doing woodworking. Come over anytime for a cup of coffee, but don't don't show up unannounced. My wife yeah, will be send here. send him a DM at least. Have some have some uh, tack. Yeah, send send a pigeon with a note. Otherwise, my wife is gonna leave me if people just start showing up unannounced. You know, um, you can find me on Instagram, Danny Diamond Photography. You could Google me. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. You know, social media, that's where you can find me. I answer my DMs, but only 
if you ask me unique questions. Don't ask me what camera I use. That's not a good question. Yeah, if you had 50 cents for every uh, time somebody asked you that, you actually, you actually made a couple bucks off that uh, Instagram post just the other day. Yes, I did. I made $21. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Community anyone support right had, there. Yeah. yeah so. Anyone who ever asked me what camera I use, they owe me 50 cents. Send it to my PayPal. Thank you so much. It's a DA50 if uh, you guys didn't ask <laughs> that as part of the podcast. I only answer once you pay me 50 cents. Can't just share that kind of stuff, Sean. Uh, yeah, I know. Now I owe you 50 cents. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, I always like to wrap up the segment um, for you guys. If you're listening to the podcast, take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram story, tag at Danny Diamond Photography, at Senior Style Guide, and at Sean Brown Productions so that we can say hello um, and see your answer to this question that Danny's going to ask you guys. Um, one thing, it can be photography related, it can be life related, anything under the sun you get to ask our viewers to have them answer in the comments or over Instagram DM. I should ask people a question. Yeah. It's your chance, your chance to grill the audience now. This is rough, man. I'm usually the one being asked questions to, um, a question for the audience. Ah, this is rough, man putting me on the spot with this that's how we roll here at real talk <laughs> where do you go to find your inspiration i think that's it and and i don't mean photography photographer so where what do you what do you look for to find inspiration and not a photographer okay what are some things that you do that bring out your uh, creative juices i love it Okay. And with that, I want to, yeah, I want, I want some new ideas. Yeah, so that Danny can, uh, he doesn't have to work as a carpenter anymore. Exactly. I want to retire as a gardener and a farmer and a carpenter. Lucrative lifestyles right there. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Danny, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on here today. Absolutely. Uh, if you guys are watching for the very first time, thank you guys for, for staying to the end. If you guys are a longtime listener, thank you guys so much. We appreciate it each and every one of you. So I um, hope you guys enjoyed this chat with Danny Diamond. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Absolutely. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. I can't wait to hang out with you. And anyone who shares this video, you get 50 cents. The 50 cents you owe me, you get to keep it now, okay? I thank love you. it. Thank you. <laughs> see you guys um, later. I love you, man. That wraps it up for this episode of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast. We are so excited that you guys are joining us and just want to say a heartfelt thank you. I know that there are so many podcasts out there that you guys have the option to listen to and it really means the world that you're joining us and giving us a part of your day and really just joining in on part of the conversation and, and the community. In addition, make sure that you guys are joining us over on Facebook and the Senior Style Guide group over there where photographers from all throughout the country contribute, give their input and their advice and their experiences to help other photographers learn and grow. We'd love for you to join us over there as well. So all you have to do is search Senior Style Guide on Facebook, ask to be added to the group, and we'll make sure that you guys get to be a part of the conversation over there. If you haven't had a chance to hit the subscribe button below, please take a second to do that really quick. What that does is it makes sure that you guys keep up to date on all of the content that we're putting out there. We have tons of Real Talk episodes coming to you guys throughout the year from leaders and other photographers that you would love to hear from. So we want to make sure that you do not miss a single episode of that. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. 
Thank you guys for joining us, and we cannot wait to have you as part of the listening experience for future podcasts. Looking forward to seeing you guys on the next episode, and we'll see you around. Thank you.